Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we're taking you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. Jamie, today we're going on a little uh, jog on the Portland waterfront, a jaunt through Forest Park. Uh, Jim, this sounds suspiciously like running. That's right, Jamie. Springtime is fast approaching, and as it does, we should expect to see some more runners pounding the pavement and hitting the trail. I'm an occasional runner. And I don't run literally ever. So we've brought on an avid runner our engagement editor here at the Oregonian and Oregon Live, Julie Evenson, to give us the download. Julie, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm great. Jamie is a little <laughs> little shifty on this running stuff. A little shifty on the running stuff, but okay. feeling good otherwise. Not good. so not so excited about the running topic. No, no okay. I'm the guy who doesn't run across the, the, the crosswalk. I'd rather wait for that light to turn and then walk my way across. That, I mean, that's fair. I, it takes yep. all kinds, Jamie. And uh, we've got the turtle and the hare here uh, <laughs> collectively. So I think we'll be able to cover it. We're, we're going to hit today a, a number of topics. You know, some of Julie, your, your favorite places to run, maybe a few races to check out, you name it. But first, Julie, to appease Jamie, why would you ever go running in the first place? So I've always liked to run. So I have to start with that. Like, I think some people are just born that way. But I will say, when I started out running in middle school, high school, I was a sprinter. So the idea of running more than a mile actually seemed crazy to me. Like, why would anybody do that if they didn't have to? And as an adult, just trying to stay active and find stuff that didn't cost huge amounts of money and that I had control over the timing of, I started to run with some of my friends who were distance runners. And ended up really loving it. I often will refer to uh, runs. I'm an outdoor runner. I don't love treadmills. Uh, I'll do them when I have to. But it's like sightseeing. You know, I think it's the same reason that a lot of people hike. But for me, I get really impatient. I want to go faster. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. And we want to talk about any number of things running related. But I think the easiest to start off is, is people are kind of getting excited about getting outside Where are some of your favorite places to run, say, around the Portland area here? So I have a favorite spot that I'm not going to disclose because (laughs) it's it's in my neighborhood. uh, It's close to my house. But as I was thinking about this topic, I realized that 
just about every neighborhood in the Portland metro area has a spot like that. There's what, like 150 trails around the Portland metro, something like that. And most neighborhoods have a great green space or some sort of paved trail or something where you can find that little spot. They're usually not as crowded as some of the more popular spots that I will talk about here in a second. But most neighborhoods have a place Mm -hmm. that you can go. And you can, you know, get on your, if you live in the suburbs, you can get on your city website. You can look at Portland Metro online and you can find those little spots pretty easily most of the time. For the big places, the spring water is a favorite of mine, both ends. Jim, I think we talked about this at one point. I had a goal. I have not done this yet, but I actually wanted to run from the East Bank Esplanade all the way out to Boring. That is a heck of a run, Julie. How many miles is that? It's 40 miles. (laughs) Four zero uh, miles. That's a lot of miles. (laughs) Yes, that's actually on my bucket list. I have not done it yet, but I've run most of the sections of the spring water at some point or the other. And it, it gets actually really interesting the farther east you go. There's a point right before Boring where it's no longer paved, and it's actually really beautiful. So... That's a great spot. And you can act, one of the things that's great about the spring water is you can access it from many points along the right. way, right? right? So you don't have to start at the East Bank Esplanade in Portland. Right. You can pick it up in Gresham. Yep. You can pick it up in Lentz, you know, on Southeast Portland. Yep. You Selwood. can pick it up in Boring and run our way. Exactly. So that's a great spot. That does get a little bit more crowded, especially as the weather gets warmer. Uh, It's really popular with cyclists, many of whom are quite speedy. So you have to be aware of your surroundings. And they usually do a good job being aware of runners as well. But it's just a lot more people. There's places where it crosses traffic. You have to pay attention to the traffic signals and just keep yourself safe. You know, the uh, Portland waterfront, the East Bank Esplanade, uh, is great. I will admit that as the weather gets warmer, though, I tend to avoid... It, it's just too much. It gets really popular. There's so many hotels right there now, and people want to sightsee and stroll, and it's wonderful, and it's great for Portland. It is less great if you're training for something uh, because it just that. gets really, really crowded. But on a beautiful day, you're also right there next mm-hmm. to the river. What I started to do as that would get more and more crowded is actually go a little bit farther south. You can, If you're running on the west bank... You can actually run from like Tom McCall Waterfront Park down through uh, the Southwest Waterfront and pick up the Willamette Greenway near the old spaghetti factory. That is a great run. That is a really great route and a little bit less crowded. And very conveniently located from our office. Yes. Kind of, (laughs) uh, you know, right downtown, kind of on the west end of the Hawthorne Bridge, approximately. Yes, that's Um, correct. So, you know, you can pick up. You can go through Tom McCall Waterfront Park and kind of back around on the East Bank and back yep. over the Hawthorne, or of course head more south if yes. you would want to come back over at Matillicum if you so chose. So many good options. Yes, you know, we're if you there. if you are very very ambitious, you can actually run all the way down to the Selwood Bridge, go across the Selwood, pick up the spring water. And run back to the East Bank Esplanade. I've done that once. Well, so yeah. when you start training for your Springwater Corridor run, yes. uh, you can hit that loop. Yes. That convenience factor seems to be important. Absolutely. Especially for those who, you know, maybe you're trying to find time to fit running into a busy schedule. If you work yep. downtown, here's a spot. Or like you mentioned, your neighborhood has a little greenway or just a little paved trail somewhere. 
it sounds like that's a really important aspect is finding these little spots to be able to get running in into your daily schedule. Yep. And that's one thing that, you know, as we all get busier and and it's harder to find time, running is appealing to a lot of people because you don't have to be at a class Mm -hmm. at a certain time. The gym's not going to close and you can fit it into your day in whatever distance and whatever amount of time you might have available. You know, there are days where I might only run a mile or two, but I did it. You know, it's done for the day and it makes me feel good. Yeah. And everything we've mentioned to this point, Julie, is running on the road, right? And and that's definitely one of the ways to get after it. The other way, of course, well, three ways you could run on a treadmill Mm-hmm. or indoor track, and that's what I would consider boring with a capital B, um, <laughs> not to be confused with the end of the Springwater Corridor. <laughs> um, I would also say you can run on a trail uh, that's unpaved, uh, trail running as it would be known through Forest Park or something like that. What are maybe the benefits of running on a road versus a trail, and if there are any trails that you think are particularly uh, good for running? So I will one note about treadmill running. I don't love it, but it's better than nothing and it can actually be really good for you, especially if you're somebody like me who hates to do speed work where you're doing uh, sprint intervals and things to try to increase your endurance and get faster. And that's actually one of the few things that I will sign up for a class for because I'm really bad at making myself do it. But when you have a coach telling you, you need to go this fast and the hill needs to be at this much of an incline, especially if you're a beginner, it'll make that outdoor running easier. So The treadmill doesn't sound great, but it's actually really good for you. As far as road running versus trail running, I do both. I train on both um, surfaces because I like to do – a lot of the races that I like to do are actually trail Hmm. races or at least partially trail races. It's harder. Trail running is harder in certain ways. If you have knee issues, it can actually be better for you depending on what type of trail you have chosen to train on. It's a softer softer surface than than sidewalk or or road surface, but it's also uneven terrain. So it's it's a good training environment for you because it actually helps build some strength, but there's also a little bit more of a hazard, tree roots and you know, although the worst fall I ever took was on pavement. So Ooh, we've all been there, done that. <laughs> yep. Not great. Uh, are there any trails in the Portland area that you would shout out as being like, this is a good go-to running trail? So I mentioned that, you know, at the east end of the spring water, it's unpaved, it's trail. And that's, it's pretty rural. Like it's, you know, you're out in terrain uh, at that point. The Leaf Erickson Trail is a really, really good one. Through um, Forest Park. Through Forest Park. I mean, there's a bunch of Forest Park. Yeah, you name it with within the park. My secret spot is actually a trail. And again, there are those greenways uh, and green spaces throughout the Portland area that you can find in your neighborhood that will give you that little bit of... I think there's a bark dust trail in southwest Portland off hmm. of Barber that I have run before, but it's been a while it's by the old ymca right there at the at the base of the hill by ohsu and that's a pretty good trail run if my memory is serving me correctly so moral of the story is maybe you don't have to go super far out of your way to go find it it's a matter of taking what is convenient for you kind of as we talked about earlier but if you wanted to go find it jamie (laughs) i'm gonna play the hypothetical for you so you are a traverser of trails you know all the spots throughout the portland area but you don't run them. If you were to run, 
if you were to lace up your hypothetical running shoes, <laughs> hypothetically, where would you choose to go? You know, Powell Butte comes to mind because there's a lot of trails there and there's a lot of good mileage. And uh, what I like about Powell Butte too is you get some incline going up to some of those mountain views and then it goes down through the forest. So you get kind of a, a nice mix between some paved trail, some gravel trail, uh, and then some of the forested trail as well. I've seen a lot of people run there. I've also seen people run on the Markham Trail, which we mentioned in um, a previous episode about hikes around Portland. Uh, Markham Nature Park is a great spot if you want to kind of run in circles and lose yourself a little bit, have more of that running meditation. I call it a walking meditation, but I guess you could do it as a running meditation. I actually, that's again, part of the reason I like running. It feels like sightseeing. And if you do get to that point where you're really well trained and you can kind of just go into autopilot, it's very meditative, especially on a trail, especially out in nature. And I actually have a question for you because when I go hiking on a trail, um, I tend to want to slow down more to experience nature in a different way. And the idea of speeding up sounds really fascinating to me. I'm just curious how, how your interaction with nature and with the trail changes as you're running faster. Mm-hmm. So some of it is finding that space between ease and effort. It, that's why I like to do my speed work on a treadmill if I'm going to do it. I, you know, I have data. I have, I'm focusing on getting faster. I'm focusing on running fast. When I'm doing a trail run, that's usually for pleasure. That's, I want to go and be in nature and I want to, and you find that pace where you're being challenged, but you're not being challenged to the point that you're being taken out of your surroundings. And when you get really well-trained, you can actually often access that, even in a race situation. I I set a PR a couple of years ago, probably more than a couple of years ago now, but on a really, really difficult course that was mostly trails, that was hills, and it was out in the wine country. It's actually a great half marathon. It's uh, something that I'll talk about in a little bit. But that was that point where I had been running long distances long enough, and I was well-trained enough that it's almost like I didn't feel like I was running. I was very engaged with my surroundings and nature, and it was a beautiful day and you're out in the the vineyards and you're up at elevation and it was just very meditative very like one with where you were and it was great and when you can access that when you're running you don't actually feel like you're going fast it seems like all of that training um, all of that work you put into it is to get to that point where you can have that strength and have that confidence to find like you said that place between ease and effort Yep, absolutely. And, you know, that's why runners are so obsessive about data. And runners tend to be very obsessive about training plans and nutrition because you're trying to, for some people, it's about setting a PR. For some people, it's about, you know, placing in an, in an age group. And I think that's fantastic. I'm not that competitive. I'm mostly competitive with myself. And most of the training that I do, and a lot of people who are just sort of hobby runners, that's what you want. You want to get to that place where it feels really good, and it's really fun, and it feels effortless, even though you're putting in a lot of effort. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I mean, that's how I feel when I'm out skiing or climbing something, you know, doing a bit of mountaineering or whatnot. It's like the stronger that you feel doing the activity, the more you can savor it. And, uh, I, I very much identify with that. It's, it makes it easier, 
uh, on the brain if your legs are in working order. Absolutely. More enjoyable for the brain, I should say. Your talk earlier, uh, just a few moments ago, Julie, about the spring water and how you can kind of, I think I mentioned that you can kind of jump into it at many different points to jog my memory about uh, the Wildwood Trail, uh, another trail on the west side of Portland that you can kind of do the same thing, right? So you, you can do the entirety of it, or you can do five-mile chunks, two-mile chunks, eight-mile, you name it. I know that's a, a favorite of mine, and I suspect one of yours as well. So I've actually never done what you did, well, running the, the full Wildwood and for reference, the full Wildwood was a video we did for our companion video series. And my partner was big into it. She wanted to go run the 30-mile trail, 30.2-mile trail in one go. And it was a goal of hers. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, we'll give it a shot. And neither of us are super runners, but we kind of just muscled our way through it and had a really good time. But I can imagine for folks who are training for a bigger objective, it doesn't really get much better than the Wildwood. It's absolutely beautiful. And I've, I've walked it and I've hiked it, but I've, I've never run the, the full thing. And actually inspired by your Peak Northwest episode, one of my friends who is, I would call her an elite among hobby runners, she saw that episode and we started talking about it. And we might actually do that this All fall. Right. Nice. See, if we can, see if we can recreate a little bit of the magic that, that, uh, would be that cool. you guys created. That would just be cool. looked so beautiful. And so like, that's my favorite kind of run. It was great. And the time of year in the fall is so nice. The only real hazard, of course, is if it's bad weather or uh, the leaves that are covering the trail, of course, could be you know, potentially cause you to twist an ankle or something, but it was perfect when we were out there. So 10 out of 10 would recommend, of course. As someone who's not in running shape, I'm so curious about how you keep yourself in good running shape. I mean, I imagine stretching, I imagine some good footwear. What do you do? Following a good, consistent running plan is very important. Like that's kind of the basic. There's all sorts of free running plans online. There are apps you can download. I'm a big fan of Hal Higdon. He was one of the original American marathoners in the 60s. I want to say he's almost 90 and he still runs marathons and (laughs) has has a handful of books and, and a great training program. You can download his app. I think it's a subscription app, but I actually just use his old pen and paper training programs. But there are other beginner programs out there that are very similar. And that's just, that's the very first one that I started to use when I started to run distances longer than a mile. And it's worked for me uh, as I've progressed and I've stuck with that one. And, you know, a lot of those programs, you're only running two miles a day, three miles a day, um, and then longer runs on the weekends when you have time. But that sort of baseline maintenance keeps you in a place where you can get out and, and run. So that's probably the most important foundational piece. And then stretching, staying injury-free. I'm a big fan of foam rollers. Mm. Uh, They're very, very helpful. I have a bunch of those little ergo balls. Actually, I have one at my desk right now. Keep everything loose. Nutrition is really, really important. I think a lot of people will embark on running thinking that, you know, they're going to 
do a diet. Like it's their New Year's resolution and they're going to do, you know, a really restrictive diet and they're going to start running at the same time. And one of the beautiful things about running is you don't have to do that. You're burning calories. And as long as you are eating, you know, a wide variety of healthy foods, that handful of Skittles is actually probably going to make your run a little bit more effective as long as you don't go crazy with it. So you definitely need to eat enough and you need to eat enough carbs. (laughs) which is maybe a controversial opinion these days, but pasta and bread and even a little bit of refined sugar is not a terrible idea if you're doing a long run. So stop by the old spaghetti factory on your way to the... <laughs> there is probably a reason that that Willamette Greenway Trail starts at the old starts and potentially ends at the old spaghetti factory. <laughs> well, you, you heard it here first. Uh, we should have a run to the old spaghetti factory. Have make it a stop in a marathon. They actually used to do the pints to pasta, they really to and from the old spaghetti factory and they've moved to the location now but i did that a few years ago and you got back to that area of town where the original old spaghetti factory is and they just had tents full of spaghetti and penna and garlic bread and it was fantastic yeah well julie uh you've given us just a little taste of what's to come here talking about some of your favorite races and we're going to talk a little bit more about that right after a short break All right, folks, we are back here hanging out with engagement editor Julie Evenson talking all things running. And for folks looking to kick things up a notch a little bit, Julie, you alluded to this earlier, but we want to run down maybe some of the races folks should have on their radar. Absolutely. So for people who are just getting started, I think it's the Oregon Road Runners Club. They're at ORRC.net online if you want to look them up. They do a 10K series and a bunch of other lower distance races that are a little bit less expensive and a little bit more accessible. And it's a great way for people who either haven't run before or haven't run in a really long time to get back into running. My mother-in-law actually started doing their race series a couple of years ago. And, you know, she's very active, but she hadn't run in a very long time and got really into it and really enjoyed it. So that's a pretty accessible group of races. And I think they average one or two per month. So that's a great place for people to go and and get a start. I have a friend who's a high school cross country coach, and he had actually mentioned to me that a lot of area high schools will do low cost fundraising races during the summer after the track season is over, uh, where you can just go do like field day at your local high school. So that's something that people can look in their local community for. And and that's a, a nice way to go. As far as more challenging runs, though. You know, we're almost into March. Everybody gets really excited about the Shamrock. That is a very popular, very crowded race, but it's a good first race for a lot of people to do because it's right in downtown Portland. You can do it with your friends. It's kind of a party atmosphere. If the idea of that large of a crowd sounds terrible to you, I guess they're doing a version of that over on in Vancouver now. It's the Couve Clover Run, I think, is their version of the the St. Patrick's Day Portland Run. I mean, there's all, there's a ton throughout the year. I could do a laundry list, but... <laughs> it seems like this element of community is really important for people running races. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, can you speak to just that at all or what, 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 how, why that's so important? Yeah. You know, runners are, by and large, 
very supportive of one another. That's one of the nice things about signing up for an event and training for an event and actually like being part of that race day experience. And there's all sorts of different types of runs you can do. You know, there's ones that out in the wine country that have a wine theme. There are several of those. The Fueled by Fine Wine Half Marathon is probably my favorite of those. And that's been going for about 10 or 11 years now. And you have kind of the same people frequently show up for a race that they really like year after year. And so it's kind of like, like I said, there's a party atmosphere. Everybody's really supportive. You know, Oregon's home to the Hood to Coast Relay. And while that is crazy and bonkers and crowded, it's one of the most supportive running environments that you'll ever be in. And it's people of all skill levels because it's people who don't run the rest of the year might train for hood to coast and be out there in their vans and everybody encourages each other and it's often a really positive experience for people who haven't done that before anyone who's looking for a race can um, find a list that we put together earlier this year called portland runner's guide 2020 Um, we'll put that in the show notes for anyone looking for those of course there's you know there's mud runs you've got the obstacle races the ones that are in you know, bubbles or foam or all kinds of stuff. So I think no matter what you're looking for as far as distance or, you know, theme, there's something around the Portland area for you to find. Absolutely. Julie, anything else running related before we let you go? Uh, just try it, you know, even if, there. even if you feel like maybe it's, and it's not for everybody, but if you are somebody who is at all attracted to the outdoors, it's totally worth a try. You know, a jog on your favorite trail or, you know, going around your neighborhood. It, it changes your perspective. Like uh, when I started to run in my neighborhood on my way to my park that I like, I learned more things about the community that I lived in. Like I saw more people and I saw businesses and I saw things that I hadn't noticed before. And it's, it's part of that you know, meditative piece of running. Like you're just taking in details about the community that you live in in a way that you don't necessarily if you're in your car or on a bus or I don't know I find it really enhances my life well Julie I think maybe a a lot of folks will give it a run give it a try this spring and uh, see if it enhances their life as well thank you so much for coming on the podcast thanks guys so Jamie are you reasonably inspired to to give it a shot now I would say that everything Julie has talked about is inspiring For some people who are not me. (laughs) So there's uh, uh, no higher likelihood I'll see you like in some running shorts and and running shoes. I have an old pair of running shoes in my closet from like the two weeks in college. I tried to start running and I think they're probably going to stay there. Jamie, how long ago was the two weeks ago in college when you thought you were going to start running? Oh, geez. That, I think that was about 10 years ago. 10, 10 years, years ago, right about now. You still got the shoes. You still got the shoes. Hey, this is a good pair of Nikes, you know? Man, don't they like get bad at a certain point? Not if you don't use them. <laughs> That's true. All right, Jamie, so what are you getting into? If you're not running, what, what do you got coming up? You know, I'm, I'm still in, in the point where I'm not quite going out on these big trips because we're still kind of in winter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am actually going to go check out some of Portland's weirdest museums. Such as? What do you got? Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. You've got the kayak museum. You've got the vacuum cleaner museum, the puppet museum, the National Hat Museum. 
And there's also the Freaky But True Peculiarium, which is opening in a new space at the end of March. Say that 10 times fast. I will not. We're not going to do that for the podcast. (laughs) That's true. That's a bad idea. But, (laughs) Jamie, that sounds like a heck of a rundown of weird music. I mean, I, I guess, you know, Portland is a place where you can find any number of weird things going on at any given time. And those museums sound like something. They will be something for sure. Jim, of course, you've always got something coming up. Something. What is up next for you? Up next? I mean, I feel like as soon as the calendar flips over to March, it seems like I'm starting to think more and more about kind of getting out in the mountains outside of the ski resorts and trying to do a little bit of climbing. So it's about the time of year where I'm looking for a good time to go try to climb Mount Hood or maybe some of the other bigger peaks around here. Spring is one of my favorite times because you still have the snow, which I love, but you can have a little bit more conducive weather to getting up on the higher peaks or up higher on those peaks, I should say, Um, and a little bit, generally speaking, more stable snow in the springtime. So I'm really looking forward to doing a little bit of mountaineering and climbing this year, and uh, fingers crossed we have some good weather for it. Well, it sounds like good fodder for a future episode of Peak Northwest here. I like it, Jamie. I like it. What do you say we wrap things up for now, though? Let's do it. All right, folks. So until next time, you can subscribe to Peak Northwest wherever you get your podcasts. Watch our videos on the Oregonians' YouTube channel. And, of course, follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. This episode of the podcast was produced by myself, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Brooke Herbert. Many thanks, of course, to our guest, Julie Evenson. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next week, we leave you with this 10 Seconds of Zen.